0: Right, what's going on? Welcome to Kinell and Bell. Danny Kinell, Raja Bell with you on this Thursday. We're going to have Emery Hunt. Our buddy's going to join us for some NFL picks as well as some college picks in just about 15 minutes, as we always do every single Thursday. We are going to get to a massive night in the NBA, including Kyrie dropping 50. We'll yep. break that down. Wanted to start off the show with a little show and tell. Our buddy David Sampson. Yeah. Make sure you go check out his podcast uh, on uh, CBS Sports HQ every single day. Uh, Nothing personal with David Sampson. Outstanding stuff. Brought me a little souvenir today. He was moving his house, clearing out some things, and brought me a newspaper, the New York Times, Sports Monday, from November... 4th, 1996. Is that me on
1: the cover? Who is that?
0: It is not you on the cover. Uh, So it's the New York Marathon. You see Viva Italia. They're talking about the uh, Giacomo Leone of Italy won the New York City Marathon. This was David Sampson's first marathon that he completed. Oh, sweet. So he saved it. And when he was moving, he noticed something about it. What, is that headline what
1: does that headline say right there? Round gets leveled, but Canel carries the love.
0: Yeah. Okay, so there it is, bro. a little
1: photo of your guy right there I on see, the bottom bro. of the paper. And warmer across the way Yeah, face. it was a little
0: chilly in November. It was probably under 60, so I had to
1: get that out there. Those are the so, best.
0: So, But then to top it all off, so I was feeling kind of good about myself, like, oh, that's cool, you know, a headline in the New York Times, and thank you for David Sampson bringing that. Quinn Snyder, our girl Quinn, who worked on our show and still works sure. here at CBS Sports HQ, she looked at the date. And she just wanted to let everybody know I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> so just thanks for that one, for ruining my moment there, Quinn. I really appreciate oh, that. Man. All right, little show and tell to start off the show. But we do have some news potentially in the NFL. I don't think it is. Uh, But Patrick Mahomes, the report yesterday said returns to practice. Uh And he is, Andy Reid has not ruled him out for Sunday. If Patrick Mahomes plays on Sunday, Raj, I don't know what, what could I do that would be, like, should I shave my head? There is no chance he's playing this weekend. There is no chance. And he better not, or else I'll be ticked off at Andy Reid and the Chiefs for exposing him when he clearly is a little ginger running
1: through these drills at practice. I don't even know why he's out there. I don't either. Um, You know, I, I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to, like, speculate on whether or not you can make that injury worse or whether once it happens once there's more of a propensity for it to happen. You know, again, I I, I don't know. Uh, what I do know is... Like there's not a rush with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, even even in this year's window of opportunity, you're talking about you know, hopefully the span of a Hall of Fame career. Yes, you certainly don't want to jeopardize that for one week of football. Um, you know, give him a week off if he if he feels a lot better and he can play the following week, maybe maybe roll him out then, but certainly not this week. I don't even really know what to say about that, Danny. They would have had to have information from a doctor saying, "Hey, look." There's absolutely no damage here. There's no structural damage. There's no uh, compromising of anything else going on. And there's 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 definitely not a, a better chance of it reoccurring since he's already had one. This was just a freak thing, like a rolled ankle.
0: Could you imagine? Uh, and again, I think all the news we heard was good. Like when we saw him go down in that heap yeah. and he's grabbing his head, and you could tell he was in a lot of pain. The worst was ACL, significant damage. Sure out for the year Mm -hmm. and everything since then from that initial gut reaction has been better positive news, right? Oh, it's not going to be four to six. It's going to be around three to four weeks. Uh, It was just dislocated. They got it back into place quickly Mm
1: -hmm.
0: out of all those good news reports. I didn't hear anybody say, Hey, might not miss any time. Now that still could be the case, but I think it would be incredibly, I don't know. We, we probably should get a medical opinion (laughs) here. I think it would be, I was going to (laughs) say reckless to put him out there. That quickly. Could you imagine the heat that the Chiefs would take if he hurt it again? Or even he hurt something else? What if you're compensating for a sore knee and you roll your other ankle, which, by the way, he was still dealing with an ankle issue? Why not take this time to kind of buy him an extra week, get his body back in health before the final stretch of the season? I just think it would be reckless for them to do this. You mentioned it. He financially has a lot at stake, but the Chiefs themselves. They have a lot at stake because this is the future of their franchise, not for the next couple years. Right? You're hoping he's the
1: next ten years, so why risk that early? Is my big question. Uh, I have no idea. If you're talking about a playoff game, Danny, or you know, uh, uh, a game that would have playoff ramifications right before the playoffs, and it had you had to win it, yes, something different like story. That. Right now, one game early in the season, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, it, the only thing I will say is if that, you know, if. When the report came out yesterday, it said he's at practice. I was like, well, what does that really mean? And you saw it. He's kind of walking yeah. through drills, handing off. I was a little bit surprised he had his pads on and his helmet. If they say he participates fully in practice, I think he's going to play. But I don't think he should. I don't think he will. But I'm just saying that. That's the thing to watch out for. If he participates in all the drills at practice, sure. keep an eye out for it. And again, I will shake my head if I see that happen. But clearly, they're the ones that are examining examining him every day. They're the ones that have the doctors the medical staff. So... We'll have to keep an eye on yeah. that story. The other uh, quarterback who has missed more significant time is Drew Brees. Uh, he said he was asked about playing this weekend, and he said, that's the plan. Uh, he said, I'll tell Sean if I'm ready, Sean Payton, head coach, and he'll believe me. The Saints are 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he's thrown nine touchdowns, two interceptions, proved more than capable, this is another situation I would look at as we're looking at some video of Brees looking pretty healthy. This is his thumb, not his legs, so his legs will look fine there. But why not sneak another week when you're playing against the Cardinals, who are a team that you should be able to beat without Teddy Bridgewater, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater and without Drew Brees, buy yourself an extra an extra week of time, and then you have a bye week, then you bring him back for the Falcons and kind of take on the back end of your schedule.
1: Um I, I again <laughs> I, I are you perplexed by this one too or? I, I am I, I get it like you want to play you know it's an interesting dynamic when when you're sidelined and your backup is in there and they're rolling with your backup um and your backup is experienced some success like you're already a competitor and you want to be out there for your team doing what you love to do but now you're looking at it like am i am i replaceable like right like i mean there, there's some yeah. of that, that goes into that right absolutely um is. And so it's, it becomes even more of a pressing thing I want to get back. Like, the earlier I can get back, the better. As soon as I start feeling good, I can get back. And I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate the competitive spirit. This one, because of the bye week coming up after it, makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. Teddy Bridgewater's five and 0 Yep. They're going to be fine. Your job is going to come back to you. Uh, you're Drew Brees. Let's get one more week in the bag. And even if you're healthy right now and you're 90%, Theoretically, we could have you at like 98% after the bye week. We're going to do that. And I'm not asking you if I'm the franchise. I'm not. Uh, Drew? We love you, bro. This isn't a demotion, but this is what we're going to do just to protect our season. We're going to sit you down one more week, get you through the bye week, the job's yours again, and let's go ahead and win a Super Bowl.
0: I think the one thing we can do sometimes in this business is assume wins are easy. You know, like, hey, you can win with Teddy Bridgewater. You have won with Teddy uh, Bridgewater. uh, uh, Exactly. That's the thing. They are a 10-point favorite uh, against the Cardinals. They are significantly better. But this is one, too, where you don't even put it on the quarterback and say, hey, we've been winning because we've been playing great team football uh so let's keep that rolling they do I'm sure it's important to them they do realize the importance of playing at home in throughout the playoffs they probably want to hang on to that but again have the sense of urgency around everybody else if you want to win a Super Bowl your best chance is Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater's played awesome but you don't want to be uh in that position was that
1: was that even a real football he was throwing (laughs) <laughs> I
0: don't know. No, don't it, know. Was, it, was, it wasn't. It was, I didn't, it didn't see It did look that. like an saw, NFL
1: ball. It could have right. some kind of training ball or something like that, but it wasn't an NFL ball. And, you know, the the thumb is heavily taped. Like, you can see that it's taped. It's not like he's out there minus any kind of protection for the thumb. You see him wiggling it. After yeah, the
0: every time he's every, touching it. You every, don't want to see that look. on. No. On look, boom, watch ball. the thumb.
1: Like, he starts wiggling it. Like, it's just, that's a real ball? Yeah, I, th- I
0: think it's a real ball. Him but with the thumb. Yeah. see him moving the <laughs> yes. thumb? Like, it's still something that's bothering him that he's thinking about. Wait. Wait. wait right. another week. You buy two extra weeks there. Uh, Joey is a savant, our producer. Yeah. He told me yesterday, he said, I think the Patriots are going to cut Josh Gordon. I was like, wait, did you read something? He's like, no, I just have a feeling. Yeah. Uh, that is what actually transpired. They didn't cut him, but they put him on jo- uh, injured reserve. We'll release him after that. Uh, they used the minor injured reserve designation with him signifying a more minor injury which means the team has to release him upon his return to health. Right. I admire the Patriots for giving Josh Gordon a chance. I think it could have been hugely successful. It didn't live up to that. As Josh Gordon at one time was a top 3 wide receiver in the NFL, one of the biggest, you know, physical specimens we have seen play that position, clearly had his demons. You know, last year didn't finish the season there was some personal things going on with him that continued and not only substance abuse but depression, some other mental health issues that yeah. you took care of. I'm kinda of bummed this didn't work out. But I am not surprised this move took place, especially with the trade for Mohammed Sanu
1: the other day. Yeah, that kind of makes him a little expendable. Um I I wanna draw a parallel to like Carmelo a little bit. Um, in that when you take that much time off from a pro sport like that, yeah. Um even if you're training, and even if you're, you know, doing whatever you can do to simulate the the pro sport, it's hard to come back after years of being away from it and not miss a beat. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, Josh Gordon different from Carmelo in that you know he had all these, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, issues with substance abuse and stuff like that that he was dealing with. Uh, but the fact was he was a, a removed from the game for a while, and the talent was what it was when it left, and you're probably not ever going to see that guy again because it's just too hard to keep up. When you're not actively participating in the sport, I would ask you though, like at this point, if he gets released, is there a market out there for him? Is there a team that 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 is like one receiver like him away from 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 uh, really believing they can win the Super Bowl?
0: Possibly, there's a market out for him. I just think it's a not controversy. It's a
1: the risk isn't oh, worth I the think, reward. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think the Patriots were kind of in a position where they've always kind of taken some of those risks uh-huh. on and said, "Hey, if it works, great." They buy they buy cheap uh, uh, and sell high, yeah. right? They don't pay their superstars to stick around, and they go take risks on other guys like a Josh Gordon who's had a lot of success, has personal issues. Say, hey, we'll let them see how it works. If they kind of have experimented with it and it doesn't work, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if another team is. You, and they have the infrastructure, you know, with a lot of leadership in yeah. that locker room to kind of take that on. I don't know. I would love to see him get another chance. I don't know if it happens. He's just
1: maybe not that good anymore. Where he, where maybe that too. And,
0: exactly. And I don't know like, if it's worth the risk that you would take yeah. on uh, if he's not there, if he's not a practice and you have some personal issues that he has dealing with. Uh, the other injury news affects tonight's game uh, with the Vikings and Redskins playing. Adam Thielen, who was one of the outspoken critics of Mike Zimmer. Kirk Cousins' the offensive approach earlier in the season is been ruled out for their game tonight. Obviously, the Redskins are bad, one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, he's not going to be in the game. There's still a 16 and a half point favorite. I think this is the ultimate example of what we were talking about. Like, hey, I don't know how much time he's going to miss. Hopefully, it's not much. But maybe if this is a playoff game,
1: you can kind of push through it and play tonight. There's no reason for him to play. No reason to play. And hammys, are tough. They're they're sometimes tougher than that like that kneecap stuff like right. that or the thumb if like, you don't rest it you don't, especially yeah that thing pulls further and it becomes a, a, a more serious grade a hamstring pull that could linger um, guess who my son picked up on his fantasy team
0: my man kirk cousins kirk e. yes he did. and watch out he's gonna start making that push for that mvp <laughs> and i'm gonna be captain of that push saying get him the mvp uh it is those type of games that kirk cousins historically yeah. has put up a lot of numbers against so hopefully that works out well for his mvp run and for your son's fantasy team yeah. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell on this Thursday, as we do every Thursday. Let's get our guy Emery Hunt in here to help us with some of these picks. I like the swag that he's got on today. What? Rocking Emory University. Any connection to the school, or is it just the name? Is it just the namesake?
2: It's just a namesake. That's all that's all it is. I don't care what they teach or how they teach it. I just know they have a great name for a university. <laughs>
0: and it is a pretty strong school academically. So you got hey, if there was a Danny University, I'd probably rock the shirt too. I know. Uh for sure. All right. Let's get to some of your picks for the weekend. We were just talking about Adam Thielen being out for the Minnesota Vikings tonight. Uh he's really caught fire since Kirk Cousins, uh since he called out Kirk Cousins that offense. He won't be there. Does that even matter? Against the Redskins team that has been abysmal this season the Vikings are laying sixteen uh playing at home
2: it matters a little bit because the continuity is broken you know that as a quarterback Danny and I think when you look at the Redskins I still think their defense can apply pressure it'll be a lot closer than what people may think so I would say take the Redskins in the points in this one
1: okay let's uh move over to the Eagles who really need a win um they're headed to the bills for five and one the bills are laying one and a half
2: Talk about a unique game because the Eagles need a win and the Bills need a statement win uh, because people are questioning whether or not their 5-1 and one is legit. So I think this will be a close game. I understand why the line is what it is, but I like the Eagles in this one. Their offense I can trust a little bit more to make a player or two if need be. The Bills' defense is great, but their offense is still a question mark in my opinion.
0: The Broncos have been a little bit of a disaster. John Elway was talked about potentially making a change at quarterback, and he's like, hold on a second. Drew Locke isn't ready yet, the second-round pick. So it looks like they're going with Joe Flacco. On the other hand, the Colts, Jacoby Brissett, quietly is making a little push in his own right to be in the MVP conversation. Really having a fantastic year as the Colts have been a surprise ever since Andrew Luck announced his retirement. Uh, The Colts are laying six at home. Do you think they continue to roll?
2: Absolutely. Lay all the points for the Colts in this game and take this for what is worth. Imagine if John Elway would have just kept Tebow behind Peyton Manning for those two years, seeing how... The running and athleticism at quarterback is now in vogue and is now producing victories. Since he cut Tebow or traded Tebow to the Jets, that revolving door of ineffective quarterback play has plagued Denver since Pate Manning left. So it's a little bit food for thought, but I would take the Colts in all the points of this ballgame. Hey. Whoa, te-o. lighten up the Tebow fans. Okay. Hey, all right. Get them free- all
0: out there. Get them all riled <laughs> up.
1: I like it. All right, let's move over to college football. You've got uh, number 13, Wisconsin. Um, at number three, Ohio State. It's a pretty big number, though, 14 and a half for two top 15 teams. What do you think this looks like?
2: Yeah, I think Wisconsin got caught looking ahead to this ball game. And because of the letdown and disappointment that they suffered last week, it's a situation where they will let one loss become two. Ohio State is just as strong as they are on defense with an even better offense. So lay all those points with Ohio State.
0: Yeah, Ohio State looks so good. They look like they're a team on a mission this year after getting left out of the playoff last year. And that defense, both these defenses, have been playing really well, but I would give the edge to Ohio State Day 2 there. Auburn in the SEC. Auburn is going to Baton Rouge. Uh There could be some weather uh in the vicinity. Don't know if it's going to play a huge impact on that game. But everybody and their brother has tried to slow down Joe Burrow, the quarterback at LSU. Nobody's had much success. But Auburn's defensive front is pretty formidable. How do you see this one playing out with uh, LSU laying 11?
2: I do love Derrick Brown and Auburn's defensive front like you talked about, but this will be all about Bo Nix against Joe Burrow, and LSU will try to make it a Bo Nix versus Joe Burrow game, and that's a game that LSU can win handily, and I think they will definitely do that. So lay those points with LSU in this one.
0: Liberty is in a fascinating situation because they just made the bump from FCS to FBS. They were paid a million dollars when this was scheduled to play against Rutgers. We've seen these typically as blowout games where it's an easy win, right? We pay for all this money. Rutgers may be paying a million dollars to get handed the big L. Liberty's actually favored uh, by seven and a hook here. Are, are the Flames going to get it done and Rutgers continue to just kind of fall into oblivion?
2: Absolutely. Lay the points with Liberty in this ball game. Not only will they win big, they will win with a big-time wide receiver. Antonio Gandy-Golden is one of the top receivers in the country. He's on the Senior Bowl watch list. He's going to have a field day feasting on that secondary of Rutgers.
0: Awesome. Great stuff as always, Emory. Appreciate it. Love the shirt.
2: Thanks, guys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Emory Hunt uh, with his picks for the week, as he does every single Thursday. For our picks, look at the college game because we have Wisconsin. We hit on it briefly there with Emory. Wisconsin's going on the road to Ohio State. I think Ohio State is really good. Justin Fields has been kind of flying under the radar as far as the Heisman conversation. I think the same thing that hurt Tua last year is hurting Justin Fields this year. They've been so great. Yeah, He hasn't even played many fourth quarters. You know, he's handing off, not putting up. He's still right there statistically. This is his moment.
1: I do think shine. I do think it's interesting that there's no conversation revolving. Yeah. Even in Tua like not winning the Heisman. Right. The conversation last year was how dope Tua was. Yeah. Ultimately he didn't win. You don't hear a peep about Justin Fields on a national scene in terms of what he's doing at Ohio State um that is interesting um 14
0: and a half point favorites in this game
1: i'm gonna take them they just they they just roll everybody even when you don't think like we sat in here with the cincinnati game we we're like it's gonna be a good one it's gonna be like, but you know what I mean? nothing. Like they, just, they roll so i'm gonna go with them
0: all right i'm gonna take wisconsin i'm gonna take the other side i think Wisconsin's defense will present some challenges i think this so i think they'll have jonathan taylor that uh-huh. try to slow the pace of the game down like try to own that time of possession although Ohio state's defensive front Uh, Chase Young is one of the best defensive players in the country. I think Ohio State still wins. I love the fact that you're getting 14 and a hook because I think they might win by two touchdowns. Uh, But I think it could be an uglier game early and Ohio State uh, takes a little over late. As far as Justin Fields and the Heisman conversation, if you're an Ohio State fan and you're upset at all about, hey, where is he? Just keep doing your thing. He'll be there. He will play his way into the conversation as their schedule gets tougher on the back end he'll get more opportunities like Saturday. If he has a big game Saturday, he'll vault himself in that yeah. conversation no matter what. Anyway, the Auburn LSU game is an interesting one. I think this is a really, really tricky spot for LSU. Uh, two's injury happens. Yeah. They're looking ahead to the Bama game. They have a bye week after this one. Auburn's kind of been forgotten about because they lost. Uh, you know, So they, everybody's kind of forgetting about Auburn. I think Auburn is going to be the one team that actually gets in Joe Burrow's face. And that is disruptive to a quarterback. I still think I still feel like LSU's going to win, but eleven points is a lot of points, even
1: though it is in Baton Rouge. This is where my inexperience as a gambler comes in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Auburn, that's Bo Nix and those guys. Yep, nope, uh, who has struggled mightily as a true it's freshman. It's at LSU. That yep. place is crazy. It is. I'm taking I'm taking LSU, and it pains me because my brother in law is like one of those LSU, like, oh, he's unapologetic, <laughs> in your face type of fan. Uh, But I'm rolling with them. I'm going to go with the Bengal Tigers. All
0: right, I'll take Auburn. So we were on the opposite side of those two. All right, how about Notre Dame at Michigan? This game, (sighs) at the beginning of the season, you would have circled this one and said, this is going to be an outstanding game. Notre Dame, if they have playoff aspirations, which they do, they have to win this game. The opening line on this one was a shocker to me. I thought Notre Dame would be a field goal or more favorite. The line has bounced around all over the place. I've seen anywhere from Michigan was favored by one, I've seen Notre Dame favored by two. We'll put it at a pick'em because it's somewhere it's fluctuating a lot, which I think is a fun sign because it's like, uh oh, nobody knows truly what's going to happen. I'm going to roll with the uh, the Michigan Wolverines. Whoa! They really, I think they found something, some confidence later in that game against Penn. They were down 21 nothing. Moral victory. Could have. Could have. Moral victory. Yes. Could have. Moral victory. I'm bringing that and throwing it at you. And other thing I don't I, Notre Dame's kind of been forgotten about too. They had a bye week. They
1: struggle with USC at home.
0: Yeah. I think Michigan's going to win this game.
1: I have no reason to think that Michigan on the big stage <laughs> is going to produce. They haven't yet. Um having said that, I have no real feel for this game. Um since you took Michigan and I faded and you faded <laughs> All me, right, so we're I'm opposite. Taking Notre Dame.
0: Opposite of everyone. We need to have yeah. some sort of stakes on the line here. Uh, to save see your head there. <laughs> I ain't going that far. I ain't going that far. I ain't got nothing to work with up there. I got to make it work. Uh, the other thing surrounding the Michigan, which would be this favors your take is Notre Dame's going to win it. Michigan had to deal with a rumor that was out there. And this is really starting to tick me off when you see some of these rumors that are presented as not fact, but stories that have merit, which mm-hmm. I don't think they do as there was a story that came out that said an exit strategy was being discussed for Jim Harbaugh as he was getting NFL interest, Harbaugh came out quickly, wrote a, a letter to every parent, and called it crap, said there's no truth to this, that he doesn't even have representation, doesn't have an agent, so nothing has been discussed. The thing that bothers me about this is I think sites, bloggers, podcasts, whatever you want to do in our business, that try, you, you need to get attention, you need to get clicks, you yeah. need to get listeners, Absolutely. eyeballs, all of those things. I think they prey on college fan bases that are vulnerable, that are in panic mode, that have high expectations. Because if you just throw, if you just light a little, if you just did a little spark, yeah. it just blows up out of right. control, which is what we saw here, which is what we saw with Florida State and the Urban Meyer rumors, which I thought were really dumb and totally unfounded with the Willie Taggart exit strategy. And it drives me nuts because there's zero accountability. You can say whatever you want, and it becomes a story that we're talking
1: oh, it's about. It's The world we live in, bro. Yeah, in every, yeah, every politics, everything, entertainment, yeah, throw it out sports. there, sports, put yeah. it out there. Yeah. Um. He denies the NFL interest. The question is, should he have an NFL interest? Yeah, he should. I I believe he should. Yeah. Um. His track record suggests that there's a shelf life. Um. That he's quickly four to five apart. years. Yes, yeah. about what he's at right Where now? That now. Um. Hadn't quite got it figured out, you can make. Make an argument that he's done a great job rebranding, kind of like getting the Michigan brand back out there as a football program. Although it hasn't translated into national championships, I can make that argument. So um, he's done a good job there. But I do think, you know, you have to take into account where you are, you know, what you got lined up. And maybe if there's the getting's good, you go get it somewhere else, you know. But I do appreciate he came out, wrote letters to all of those kids Families, yeah, like that's pretty big time. Like, but now stand up and do that.
0: I think he will, like, because I I did hear some comments like, "Oh, this could be his moment," uh where Nick Saban. Remember, Nick Saban was, "I'm not going to Alabama," Uh, and And then like within two days, he was at Alabama. I feel differently about this one. First of all, it's in the middle of the season. I think he's absolutely going to finish the season, but I also feel the fact that he played there. I think he wants to. I think he genuinely his desire his goal is to bring Michigan back a national championship. Okay. And I think that's his long-term goal. I think he also cares about his players. Uh, you know, you see the trips to France and to Italy. Yeah. And these type that, that never happened before him, I think he cares about the program. So yeah. I I want to take him at his word and say he's going to stick to it. Okay. Although, you know, hey, John Gruden said he was going to be a broadcaster. You throw $100 million at him, yeah, that sometimes makes you change do your us, mind. But yeah, I do do don't you know if do. Arbaugh would command that type of interest. Somebody would offer him a job. I don't know if it would be that type of slam dunk opportunity. The other uh, thing I wanted to hit on from college football, we already addressed the Heisman a little bit, was Dabo Sweeney. Uh, the highest paid coach in college football, $9.3 million in annual salary. Nick Saban was right behind him at eight I'll say this, and then Jim Harbaugh. I think that's why there's so much pressure on him, and there's always out, outrage when he doesn't perform. Yeah. It's because of these salaries that are out there. I'll say this. Some of these contracts are bad, overpaying coaches. I think Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban are underpaid. When you look at the value that they bring to the university, mm-hmm. bringing championships, bringing dynasties, ticket sales, um, school uh, applications—like look at Bama, where they were before Nick Saban got there—as far as how competitive it is now to get there. High schoolers they want to go to a place that has a football program that's that's good. Every party it influences go, everything baby. there. So I think they're actually I th- I think they're a rare individual. I think LeBron, whatever salary he is, he's underpaid. Yeah, he is. You yeah. know, like no, thirty-five, forty, I, I hear 5, 40 you. I hear million. You. They could make
1: way more than they actually do. You know what? I'm not really going to go there with it. the
0: student-athlete. Well, things. that's I where I'm going. Gonna go there. If
1: you're going to tell me Davo and Nick are underpaid, but here's the difference. Bringing, Here's like, the difference. They ain't doing nothing but drawing up some plays.
0: Here's the difference. Where is Deshaun Watson now? He's gone. Yeah. He's in the NFL. Where will Tua be in a couple of years? I, He's gone. You don't These have guys to, are there for decades. To, you don't have
1: to pay them for the life. Uh, of their football <laughs> career, but you could pay but them for the what... life of their football career at Clemson. You could, and I'm, I'm okay with that discussion, but this is where
0: I think they are a different entity is because they do stay there for 10 years, 15 years, and they can build up something. And if they left, like Deshaun Watson leaves, Trevor Lawrence steps in, it's no big deal. If Dabo left Clemson, I think you would see a much more devastating effect in the players. It's a, it's a, it's a debate. It's I can a debate. Ap- for I, no, time. but I can
1: appreciate them making that type of money. Like I'm not saying they're not worth the money. Right. But I'm saying if the coaches are worth 10 million for the reasons you just articulated, what it yeah. does for the school and the type of profile that it, then you, then you have. To, there's got to be some worth of the athlete aside from the scholarship that you've given him. Which no? is
0: where I think the compromise comes in. Let them get paid for whatever not, they can yeah, make yeah, on the
1: open yeah. market. Which I think is where
0: we're going to go at uh, sometime down the road. Welcome back to Canel and Bells. We have breaking news out of Major League Baseball. Earlier, it's funny because all these made, uh, managerial positions are starting to get filled, and they're all kind of starting to fall like dominoes. We had Joe Girardi named uh, manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh Now we have the Tingler is the new manager of the San Diego Padres. According to multiple reports, Jace Tingler will the tingler. be their new uh manager there in San Diego to take over with uh, Manny Machado and squad. So a lot of these uh, baseball positions starting to be filled, and I'm sure they'll start coming with a flurry, because that's usually how it works. Mm-hmm. All these multiple negotiations take place, and then all of a sudden you might have a couple options. Then one gets off the table, and you're like, uh-oh, we better make sure we get our second option, or whatever yeah. option that was. So the Tingler, that's what we're going with?
1: Yeah, it Sounds I think like I the
0: Hamburglar the hamburger. to me. <laughs> like it's the Tingler. Uh, Jace Tingler, named Padres manager. Make sure you stay uh, tuned to CBS Sports HQ. Our buddy David Sampson will break all these down and more from the world of baseball throughout the day, starting at 11 a.m. as soon as we uh, are done with our show. Moving on to the NBA, Kyrie Irving, in his debut for the Nets, dropped 50, put a 50-burger on him, 50 burger. and lost the game for the Nets. Uh, he's the third player in NBA history to score 40 in his team debut, joining Kiki Vandeweghe in 84 and Wilt Chamberlain in 59 uh, he was impressive no doubt and still had a chance to win the game with a game winner which was a really good look could have made it but what was your takeaway from Kyrie with his uh initial performance with the Nets? Oh it was a
1: brilliant individual performance some of the you know some of the moves um, you know that he executed and and some of the finishes were just fantastic it looked like You know he wanted to put his stamp on Barclays and let let Brooklyn know that he was in the house. You know what I mean? He's happy to be home. He said it. It was his his hometown team. He dreamed of doing that since he was in the fourth grade. He looked like that meant something to him to go out there and do that. Um, What then stuck out to me next, watching the highlights, was everybody else kind of standing around and watching him do it. Yeah. Um, And they're going to have to guard against that if you are Brooklyn. That's not taking anything away from Kyrie. It's not saying that his fifty is the reason they lost the game. Like it was. They lost the game for a lot of other reasons. But they will have to guard against him just going crazy with the ball in his hands and having everybody else just standing around watching. Part of the reason they were so good last year was because uh, D'Angelo Russell could do that, but the ball was also moving and other people were getting involved and they were able to supplement a little bit like the Spencer Dinwiddie's of the world. I think he had 14 last night. Joe Harris. uh, Karis LaVert actually had a good game. I think he had 20 last night. But, you know, you have to – Bits and pieces of Kyrie doing that, timeliness of Kyrie doing that, um, combined with a nice flow to your offense. So when you really need him to do it, it's it's at your disposal. But otherwise, you play within the confines of what we're trying to do in the flow of the offense we want to run. And that's how you wind up with a good team. And I, I imagine they'll get there eventually. Right. Last night looked like Kyrie was just trying to put on a show.
0: Right, which he probably was. Yeah, it's uh, when he was out there during the pregame addressing the crowd, he almost teared up yeah. saying what it means to me to play here, all those types of things. I think it's interesting, too. When you have a player like that, I think you saw this happen in Houston last year when Chris Paul was hurt. The team kind of looks and they expect James Harden to be their leader. Yeah. And we talked about this last year. He was out there doing all the work. Guys start standing around and watching. I think that's something you have to be careful of. And I'm sure there's some expectation of with Kevin Durant missing this entire season that they're like, hey, he's going to be our guy. He's going to be our workhorse. But you still have to work a system out there to be sure. successful because there aren't so many uh, you know, you have to make sure you're a complete team out there. What did you think of the we didn't I don't think we ever hit this when it was announced? The new floor in Brooklyn. I don't like it. The gray. Bring it up again. Can we bring gray, it up Watch again? the highlights. The first thing I noticed I was like, is something wrong with my TV uh-huh. when I watch it. The way I would equate it to is when you have your iPhone and you put it on grayscale, you yeah. can use that so it's lighter on your eyes. You gotta get the further away, like the up top look as we're looking at some more of his as handles on this one. It's not as bad from this angle. When you get like the high like from the rafters-type angle, and it more fills on your screen. It's just a
1: weird-looking – That's a, looking, that's a like dope – You're getting distracted no, by Kyrie's hand. I'm not right. getting distracted. That's a dope parquet floor, man. <laughs> you like
3: that's the experience. gray. Absolutely. All right, see what happens when – I like play. Barclays
1: I in general, and I, man. I yeah. like
3: the – Danny, I mentioned this to you earlier. I like the baseline, how it has like the, the Brooklyn Nets in the subway font. I like that, that a lot. That looks cool, too. Yeah, it's hot.
0: I like that a lot. Uh, it's not the last time we'll
1: Do talk you, about I mean, it. Listen, I, I say this. Brooklyn will never beat the Knicks, right, like in terms of no, popularity in New York? I don't think New so. York.
0: No, they've tried to, and we laughed about Kevin Durant when he But like a generation
1: from now, like when our kids have kids, like is it?
0: I don't know. I mean, the Cubs, White Sox, it's similar to all these. Like could you ever see the Clippers overtaking the Lakers? I just think – and the Lakers, you know, if they have championships, but I don't, we've yeah, seen I don't the know. White Sox win – and then they don't overtake the Cubs. You right. know, we've right. seen it happen. Yeah. I would imagine you know, the they The Mets don't.
1: had their moments. But they never overtook the How long the do you have to be irrelevant for before <laughs> – right. and someone else in your city be relevant before, like, a generation says, I don't know – you know what I mean? Like, that yeah. conversation has been had by
0: KD and I'm sure some it, people like that. But, like – If you had me say which team would it be, I would look at this one and say this is one of the ones that could overcome that hurdle. Yeah. Because of that, because of that reason. Like you've got, like the Lakers at least won, and that's made it harder, and that's why I don't think they'll ever take them. Sure. The Knicks haven't won in forever. Right. So I think it could be a problem. And maybe maybe it is something, a shift that we would see uh, take place there. Uh, Also action in the Eastern Conference. The Sixers beat the Celtics in a really ugly game. As Who knows? Eastern
1: Conference Championship Celtics. <laughs>
0: hey, Don't Who knows? be overreacting. Those don't guys. Don't be overreacting because Joey came up to me. He's like, "Hey, I know I don't want to be overreaction guy, but your pick looked awful bad in that one. It's one
1: game, damn it! And they played just as bad. The Sixers did. They just happened to win it. They played just as bad and won by eighteen. No. I don't... <laughs> All right. It's
0: one game. One game. They have no, to figure this no, thing no, out. No, it was a
1: sloppy game. Um, and Kemba struggled. He's not going to struggle like that every game. The Sixers are big, man. Like when you look at the Sixers play, they are really long and they are big across the board. You're talking about, you know, six ten and Tobias Harris is six eight, and 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 Joel Embiid is seven foot, and then you got Al Horford is six ten. Like they're really big. Um, you know what was interesting about that game for me, and I I don't want to say this, but I'm I mean it's my job, I guess. I was concerned that as brilliant as Ben Simmons was, because some of his finishes were remarkable last night too. Mm-hmm. He didn't shoot a jump shot that's concerning to me it is it's just i would expect if you were going to be a good jump shooter this year that you would have shot one like it, you know and i said coming into the year like i don't need him to be a great shooter i need him to be a willing shooter maybe he could make the case when you break it down frame by frame in the film hey there was no need for me to ever shoot a jump shot to which i will shut up and yep. but man danny i play a lot of nba games man i wasn't as gifted nearly to get to the rim like he can I mean, at, at one point when you got the ball in your hands that much you, it doesn't cross your mind to shoot a jump shot
0: so it's funny you say that because i did not watch this game last night i was watching the world series and when i came in this morning you know the first thing we were talking about our rundown and we were looking at some games some highlights you know the first question i had for joey
1: yeah did he shoot a jump shot
0: did he make a three yeah did he shoot one and and it was no it's like all right and then joey was like hey he still at 24 which is still a good night but i'm with you you have to you don't have to go out there and you know, average three makes a game, no. three threes. You just have to show the capability that you can make it or else teams are going to do like they did last year. They're going to start in it. The longer you don't also the more it plays into your head. Yeah. I'm saying,
1: to your point, I don't even care if you make a couple. I don't care. I want to see that you're not bashful or afraid to pull it. Like that you feel like in your heart of hearts, this is part of my offensive repertoire, right? Yep. And if you feel like something is a part of your offensive repertoire, you're going to do it. It's just organic. It's going to come out. You're going to make a move, boom boom step back and you're going to be like, "Oh, it, it, I didn't even think about it. I shot my jumper." Yep. The fact that none of them went up, I'm not he's going to be fantastic. It's, he's going to have a great year. I just I worry that those videos we saw in the summer like in all of the uh yeah, uh, what did we have? The anticipation of maybe he's turned this corner and he's able to kind of shoot the jumper now. I worry now that that's not going to be
3: the case. I actually think the jumpers will come eventually, but I'm I actually I've kind of done a 180 a little bit on Ben Simmons because like you said, the, the finishes and some of the stuff he does, he has become so good at the things he's good at. Like oh, yeah. he's so – his finishes in the paint. The concerning thing for me with the Sixers, and it's been a concerning thing for me for now for three years, Joel Embiid's inability or unwillingness to put the effort in to get paint touches is staggering to me. Look, last season he was 50th in the NBA in field goal percentage. He's never been above fifty percent from 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 the field in his career. He was nineteenth in the league in paint touches last year, a little over seven a game, seven paint touches last night. All offseason, he talked about how he's gonna do, he's gonna go in the paint more. He's gonna get touches, and his Cantor is pushing him off the block. And when he caught it in the paint, he pushed him off the block. He he's taking threes. There's a, he's a bad three point shooter. They're gonna yeah. have to figure that out. I mean, he's gone down in three point percentage every year. It happened again last night. He took four threes. He went one for four. He couldn't get in the paint. He couldn't get touches. He's getting the ball at the top of the key and going iso. It's not going to work for him, well, especially with Horford, who is more of a perimeter big now too. That is something they're going to have to figure out.
1: Yeah, I, that's a great point, Joe. Uh, we talked about that last year down in the playoffs. If you, if you are supposed to be as dominant a player as he is in a league with very few you know, defensive stalwarts at, at the at the big position like because that most of them are stretch bigs now you would think that he'd be able to kind of bully his way in there a little bit more um it is a Joel Embiid issue Joe but it's also an organizational like a coaching issue um Elton brand's their general manager right like an Elton brand I don't know six eight maybe on a good day like six eight and a half with shoes on he would bury your behind if he could like he would go get a paint touch now he had a well-rounded offensive game but you watch some of those sons like uh clippers game from 2006 he was just deboing people in the paint and so i say that it's a it's an organizational thing because someone has to pull him aside if you have those numbers joey at your disposal trust that their analytics department has all of those numbers and they're yeah. sitting there going over them uh, at nauseam about like hey man the guy won't someone has to have that conversation with joel Embiid and show him the value of doing it right like hey bro Give me 10 games where you touch the ball 11 times in the paint. And we will facilitate you getting it. There will be a mandate to our guards that you get the ball in there 11 times. After those 10 games, if you don't see a a, a stark contrast in numbers and in uh, field goal percentage and in free throw attempts, if you don't see that, then go back to doing what you were doing. But if it translates, then, then you'll come back to me and say, hey, man, you were right, right? But someone has to have that convo because the kids are not being taught to play that way. They're being taught to play perimeter uh, first and then interior secondarily. And so unless someone who's in his camp or someone in that front office or someone on that coaching staff has that conversation with him, I doubt that it will change.
3: Yeah, Raj, to, to your point on the organizational thing, it's it's its you're 100% right there because a there, was a, there was a couple times last night where he did have position and the entry passes are bad. Or he ran the floor and sealed in the paint and they just didn't get it to him, and that's a problem. Like, I, if I was a coach, I would be going off on my guards. If my big runs the yeah, floor like that, that and you don't get him the ball, you're coming out. Get him that ball. It's
1: the number one thing they tell young guards when you've got a big with you is if that guy is running, you've got to give him a taste. Because mm-hmm. bigs, look, they're big. They don't have the same stamina as the little guard running around there. If he's doing his work, he's there early, he's got a seal, you got to give him a taste or he stops running. When he stops running, it makes your life a lot harder. So you got to feed him if he's doing his job.
0: Yep, no doubt. Something to keep an eye on is we keep an eye on the Sixers throughout the season. And my Celtics, I'm not counting them out just yet. <laughs> uh, elsewhere in the Eastern Conference, uh, the Orlando Magic beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. That wasn't the story, though. The story was Markel Fultz, uh the much maligned uh, former Sixer who's dealt with injury issues, shooting issues. Looks pretty good in uh, 23 minutes of play. Six of 12 from the field, 12 points, six assists, and two steals, and a massive dunk in the fourth quarter. Are you ready to put his woes behind you? I mean, the jumper looked pretty good on that little pull-up. W-
1: what pick was he in the draft?
0: Was he number one? <laughs> or was he, he number was one. two? Good. Yeah, he was uh, number one. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I, this is a this is a great human interest story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have enough of a sample size for, from watching him play to know like if he's going to live up to the number one hype or not?
0: I that, mean already it's all impossible. That stat too. line
1: is not that great. I was an average at best NBA player. And 12 points is like okay. What do you you know what I mean? Like right. so like I think people are just reacting because the dude is on the court again, which again, I'm really excited for him. Um, but purely off a 12 and six when you, when you're out there for as much as you're out there. Right. I uh, probably not a grace that
0: one. I would say it's a wrap as far as ever living up to the number one. Yeah. Overall I mean, pick it, it, expectation. Probably. But I think this is maybe because we were talking, does this guy ever like make a roster? It was that bad when he's shooting and there's the hitch. At yes. the free throw line. And it was so ugly. I think it's a good story, but I, I just think, I don't think
1: he'll ever no. achieve the expectation that people thought he could. This might be why he was in the room. Like, what he did that i couldn't like that dunk yeah that gives you a little bit of like your, oh yeah, whoa right oh but here's what i would say to that there are a lot of dudes running around on parks right around the block yeah and they you can give dunk. them not they do, do that in a heartbeat you know what i mean like there's yes. a lot more that goes into being a uh, a professional athlete in any sport
0: all right i don't know if you have seen this yet but our boy joey wanted us to weigh in on this hassan white side play okay. in the game where he said it was an incredible defensive play but i'm curious to see where we're going with this okay no kitch all right here we so, go huh
1: uh, really no resistance there. Jeez, look at that. I
0: mean, you got to put a body on him. Though. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my
1: goodness. I did not realize this look is where at, we were going. I didn't even know he was going to do that. But from the very first, from the first time Nokis got the ball, look at that. What is he doing? Well, you got to sit down. You got to get back yeah, ASAP. You sit down. If I'm the coach, I am
0: livid at this. I mean, seriously, how do you explain this as a professional athlete who makes a lot of money that that's the effort you're going to give? You know how you explain it?
1: There was, there was a reason why Hassan Whiteside was where he was before the Heat found him. It's because, like, he comes in and he comes out. He checks in and he checks out. Like, he's – I don't know if it's concentration issue or if he's just bored. Like, I don't know. But he's sometimesy, right? And that's ultimately – there's tantalizing talent there, size and athleticism combination where, you know, if you can capture it for a while, you might mistake it for, like, a sustainable, like, Brilliance, like oh my god this is gonna be something we're gonna we're gonna take the league by storm but he's never been that no matter where he's been at any level he's always been that guy where he's up and down and that is just you should be ashamed of yourself
0: all right so i'm looking up some of these other storylines from the game where damian lillard raved about his new teammate said an outstanding job are we being prisoner of a moment that might have been unfair
1: like if they're up i'm not being a prisoner amount? of a, that you asked me about that specific yeah play. and that very suck. That oh, yeah. was terrible effort. I'm talking about Hassan as a whole True. over his career. The reason why he got the massive contract in Miami was because they found him when no one else would give him a chance. Right? No one else was willing to roll the dice on that because the narrative was what it was. They got him there. They thought they could save him. Right? Captain mm-hmm. uh, Save a Hassan. Right? And so they gave him all the bread. And what do he do after he got the bread? Shut it down. Shut it down. Da- it's what he does. Like so. Do I think he'll have some great moments in Portland? Probably. Do I think at the end of the day the Tiger's gonna change his stripes and he's gonna become like this I can count on you every every night type of pro? Probably not.
0: He had uh, on the night sixteen points, six of seven shooting, nineteen boards, and two blocks. So he look, had a pretty good if night. If you give
1: that man, if you give that man the ball and you're willing to run stuff to him, he can put up numbers like that. Yeah. But he will also check out on you. I'm not look, the talent is there's a reason he got paid. Yeah. There's I mean, the talent and the size and the ability like it's all there. But you also got to be a dude I can – if I'm going to give you that kind of money, you got to be a dude I can – hey, look, hey. Yeah. Hey, you ready? Right. I, you know Every, I mean? night. Every, Every night. Every single night.
0: Welcome back to Kennel and Bell. Jace Tingler, the breaking news out of Major League Baseball, uh, named the manager of the San Diego Padres. Make sure you stay tuned to CBS Sports HQ where David Sampson will get all his thoughts on that. And they'll get you uh, up to date on any other movement in Major League Baseball as well. In the P- On the PGA Tour, the first time ever they played a uh, pga back. tour regular tour event back, in bro. asia he's back so tiger woods i'm tell you what happened well, he's I'm back danny oh you're saying he's official so i had so i'm i hope he is I mean, he never <laughs> he is back officially with the masters last year here's what happened though last yeah. night before i went to bed i like i followed the tiger tracker on twitter Right, right like right. it just every it's single shot yeah so it said he was three over and it said he gets his first birdie and bullet back to two over. I was like, oh no, You're like, like this uh, is not good. Uh, like he's going to be around uh, even par. Maybe if he's right. lucky, he had nine birdies after starting uh three over par in the tournament really caught fire. I love seeing this after some time off coming back fresh, you know, again, you would expect him to be a little bit slower, have an off season surgery. Yeah. Maybe he would struggle early on the tour. If he's ahead of the game and starts playing well early, watch out, baby. Grand slam? and grand
1: slam. I love it. Hey, I've never hoped to be wrong as much as I'm hoping to be wrong. Remember we were talking about Tiger and having to kind of reassess and seeing if – like I really do hope he comes back. What I worried about Tiger um, was, you know, I'd say these younger guys have the like ability to just get like flaming hot and throw a super low number up there. And Tiger over the last few years – didn't look like he could do that anymore. Even when he played well, he was just really steady. Yep. Like just didn't make mistakes. Um, and wound up kind of beating you over the course of of the four day event. If he can like start getting back to where he can get flaming hot and go like seven, eight birdies in a row, like you know what I mean. Add that back into his whether that's a mental shift where he's more aggressive or you know, or he's just he a little would more have a couple in.
0: of those hot rounds on Sunday when he was out of the tournament. You know, yeah, like I remember he had a couple of those, yeah, yeah. but it's that's a different scenario. Right. To do it opening, you know, the opening round of a tournament—that's a totally different animal. Correct. There is more pressure on him. Uh, he's in a, a tie for the lead with Gary Woodland at six under. Hideki Matsuyama is in third, and Daniel Berger, Florida State, Daniel Berger, uh, three under. So there's, and the other good, promising thing about this, there's not a lot of guys that fired really low numbers. Like sometimes you'll see a tournament, like oh, the course Everyone's must have been easy, it up, right? No, there's only a handful that are in there. So yeah. we'll uh, we'll be all over that. Hopefully on Monday we'll be talking about a Tiger Woods, uh, war with uh, win, which would put him up right there. Uh, Sam Snead, the uh, winningest. uh player on pga tour history oh that's uh yeah it'd be pretty uh, cool if he gets that one so we'll be watching that uh throughout the weekend but we'll be back tomorrow we'll get you updated then too uh enjoy the game tonight kirk cousins mvp run continues Minnesota Vikings it's Redskins
2: see you tomorrow